Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football, baseball, basketball, and more. You're listening to Fantrax Radio, the home of fantasy sports talk. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guy. Guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God, is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Hello out there, and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast, presented by Fantrax Radio. I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO, and I'm joined as always by Nick Ligatino. What's up, guys? And Joe Saunders. I am hungry for pizza. I don't know about you guys. Ooh. Yeah, Andy Singleton threw down the gauntlet today. Uh, So we need to get our listens up and some reviews and some downloads, people, because I want some damn pizza. Mmm. All right, so we got a good show for you guys tonight. I'm going to run through some news and notes for you, and then we're going to move to our outfield preview part two. The Mets signed Todd Frazier. He's going to start at third base for them with his destination now known. Have you adjusted your ranking on Frazier? Nah, he's still kind of in the same spot for me. I mean, it's probably not one of the worst places that he could have signed, but it's definitely on the – lower end of the spectrum. So it doesn't really move the needle for me. Either way, he's kind of in the same range. Uh, he'll be productive, look for, you know, close to 30 bombs, close to eight steals and a really bad average. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. Yeah, he doesn't move much for me. Um, I'm probably the high guy or I'm definitely the high guy among this group. Uh, but he's going to have a nice spot. He's going to be hitting behind Cespedes and Bruce. It's going to be a good source for RBIs. I think the batting average will come back up to around 240. And if he does that with steals at or approaching double digits, he's worth owning. Definitely. Okay. Singwon O signed with Texas. If you're drafting today, are you taking him? Last year's closer at the end, Alex Claudio, or someone else if you're looking for saves in Texas? No, you're taking O. Um, I mean, I think they got him just to be the Claudio, uh, just to be the Claudio, <laughs> just to be the closer. I think Claudio actually sets up better as a setup guy when um, Oka come in the ninth and do a good job. Last year, he was pretty inconsistent, but he hit his stride certain months. He was really good in May. Uh, he was good at the end of the year, but you know, we there's no denying the stuff. And if he puts it all together in a single year, he could be one of the best closers in baseball. So I'd take O. 
Any chance uh, Keller sees some of the saves? Yeah, Keller, that's what I have in my notes. Yeah, I, I like Keller a lot, but uh, it's gonna. I think it's going to be O's job to start, and the leash is going to definitely be short. Yeah, I, for me, it's it's Keller, O, Claudio, and, and Diekman. Is that an official pronunciation, by the way? Because I always thought it was Keela. Oh, I don't know. No, it's definitely not official. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> we're saying it like Keller. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the guy I want to invest in. Because um, one, he's the cheapest. Two, he's uh, got the probably the best closer profile among the three in terms of velocity and strikeouts. Um, yeah, oh, kind of lost his velocity a little bit last year. Uh, Claudio doesn't. Claudio throws like eighty six. Yeah, um, I think Claudio is better as like a multi inning guy um, that can manage contact. And I worry about O in that ballpark, especially because he struggled so bad in St. Louis last year. Uh, yeah. But I think I think O will open as the closer. It's just just a matter of whether or not he'll keep it. And I'm betting on that Keela can at least provide ratios. Okay, Irvin yeah. Santana. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Irvin Santana had surgery on his finger, uh, on his throwing hand. He's out ten to twelve weeks. 10 weeks puts him back in mid-April. 12 weeks would mean early May. Does this push Irv off your board entirely, or do you still like him as a potential DL stash? Yeah, for me, he's off my board entirely. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, finger injuries are tricky, right? So, I mean, this this is the type of player that – a pitcher that could really suffer from um, having his command – uh, reduced his control, reduced. He's not a big strikeout guy. He's relying on contact management. So I agree with you guys. I, I think he's pretty much off the board at this point um, because, I mean, there's no guarantee that he doesn't suffer another setback and then he's gone after the season, right? Yeah. And you, t- you take away the, that those first 10 or so starts last year and it didn't look good. So, yeah. And he's, he's a big time volume guy too. I mean, that's really where he made his hay is innings. So, I mean, if he's not going to give you those innings, yeah. I don't know that he's all that valuable with the K per nine around seven and a half. Agreed. Okay. All right. Well, let's move to the outfielders. So we decided to do something different this week. I laid it out at the end of our last show, but I'll just go over it again. Uh, we basically took every outfielder um, that was going beyond Matt Olson and the fan tracks ADP, threw them into a big pool and just drafted them. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, so with the first pick, I took Adam Eaton. Uh, he had a 137.77 ADP. He is outfield 31 on fan track. So um, the ADP lined up perfectly with this selection. But for me, this was a tough choice. I was choosing between Adam Eaton and Joey Gallo. I think Eaton presents sneaky upside and has a really safe floor in terms of production. Um, he's going to be hitting at the top of one of baseball's best lineups in front of uh, Turner, Harper, Murphy, Zimmerman, and Rendon. Um, although Eaton has never posted gaudy speed totals, he is very fast. He had a speed score of 28.9 last year. That's in line with Ozzy Albies, Whit Merrifield, and Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, I think he may run more um, with the Nats because they are a pretty aggressive team on the base paths. So he could pop 20 steals while hitting 300. Um That's going to be a very productive player. And I think there's some sneaky upside here in terms of the power. Last year, he raised his average launch angle in a very brief sample. 
up to 15%. Um, if that sticks, and we have to remember that last year was Eaton's first year with the Nats, it's his <clears> first year as with Daniel Murphy as a teammate, and now Kevin Long, another guy who who, who is a who is a big time advocate of the fly ball approach, uh, who taught or, or or coached Murphy when Murphy made his adjustment is now the Nats hitting coach. So it's possible that Eaton continues that trend, and then suddenly there's the possibility that he goes from a 10 to 15 homer guy up to that 15, 20 range. And then if you're looking at high teens pop, high teens to low twenties speed and a 300 hitter at the top of the Nats lineup, that's a really, really good player. Um, But even if he's just who he's been um, at the top of that lineup, he's going to have value. And you don't think his speed takes a hit with the knee injury? I'm not terribly worried about it, no, until I'm given reason to worry about it. Not worried at all. My love for Adam Eaton is is it's pretty bad. It's well, crazy. He gets, I mean, he's gonna get the, he's gonna get the chances because of the OBP, but uh, I'm really not that interested. Uh, I think the speed does take a hit. It was a significant knee injury. <clears throat> Why stress it out? Um, they have other guys on the team that can steal bases. Um, I think the power. I don't think I I, I don't know what what's your upside for power, Pat. As I said, I think he can go from like a 10 to 15 homer guy up to maybe 15, 20 if he keeps that launch angle. Okay. I don't hate the pick. I'm just not, – I'm not an Eaton guy. You both are. Always have been. Uh, my next pick was the great and powerful Joey Gallo because how can you pass on Joey Gallo and all the goodness that he's going to provide this year? Uh, it's definitely a uh, team composition-based pick. We spoke about – Early, on earlier podcasts, what he could do for your lineup if you take a guy like D Gordon or any other high average hitter, maybe a Buster Posey, uh, and what he does is he kind of just will he'll even out the batting average. Let's for instance use Buster Posey, and you, you take both average. He's looking at two guys that'll hit two sixty five ish if you combine them, um, and also you're looking at uh, sixty combined home runs, some speed. And a lot of runs in RBI totals. Uh, I love Gallo. Sky's the limit as far as the power goes. I think in a full season, he's a guy who could hit 50 home runs. And I have a feeling he's going to come very close to doing it this year or may eclipse that. Uh, and we all are kind of in agreement that the batting average could go up a lot, uh, especially if he gets a little bit lower. Well, not well, a lot. Not a lot, but I mean, Enough. Here's, the thing. here's the thing. 209 is kind of like in the range of I can't live with it. But 225, I could live with that if it gives me 45 home runs. Um, so just give us that 15-point boost. And any extra luck that he could get, let's just say he gets to 235, 240, forget about it. Yeah, so I was up next. I took Eddie Rosario. Um, he's got a 144.86 ADP. So this was a really, really difficult choice between Rosario and Polanco for me. Um, I went with Rosario because I like the idea of getting a bit more pop and a smidge more in batting average uh, as opposed to the steals. Uh, so with on Rosario with barrels per batted ball event um, at 159th in the league, he's in very healthy mid-20s pop territory. Um, he doesn't pull his flies as much as one might like to see at only 18.8%. But he has hit his flies harder and harder each of the past three years in the majors. So, like we mentioned last week with Ozuna and Domingo Santana, if he starts pulling his flies more, there might be even more home run upside. 
Um, again, with a small strikeout rate, improved chase rate, and solid ground ball percentage, a 280-285 batting average, as well within the realm of possibilities. So I totally believe in Rosario. Um, I think the choice between Rosario and Polanco comes down to a little bit of uh, roster construction. If you needed steals more than some pop, Polanco's a choice. If you like some pop over the steals, Rosario's a choice. Joe, do you have any reservations about sort of his um, free swinging ways? Uh, yeah, a bit, but he's done a good job in his career of not striking out a ton. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will admit I sort of have this bias towards Eddie Rosario, and it's a bias towards players of that ilk, uh, like Jonathan Scope, who just yeah, I was gonna say it's a lot to like swing Scope. a lot. Um, but I've, I've slowly worked my way around to Eddie Rosario is a quality hitter and is worth drafting around this price. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't hate the pick at all, but I ended up taking Gregory Polanco next. Uh, he has an ADP of 162.1. So he's a bit below Rosario. He's going off the borders, the 37th outfielder, um, like Adam Eaton, I've long been a fan of Gregory Polanco. The power speed potential with good plate skills is a package I always want to buy into. Uh, it might be difficult to believe, but Polanco just turned 26. Um, he's coming off a lost year due to lingering injuries. Polanco is being devalued by the market. And to me, I think it creates an opportunity for profit. Polanco performed like you would expect a hobbled version of himself to. The ISO went down. The hard contact was down. Line drive rate, home to fly ball, all down. Statcast, fly, uh, fly ball, line drive, velo was down nearly three miles per hour. Average fly ball distance was down approximately 10 feet, and his barrels were halved. Uh, put simply, the knee and shoulder injuries sapped Planco uh, of a lot of his ability. On the encouraging side, though, the K rate trimmed to 14%. Pre-All-Star break, Planco was trending at nearly a 20-20 clip while going 8 of 9 on the bases. So we can see that the 2016 levels of production weren't so far removed uh, when he was healthy. I think a return to 2016 form could yield a top 25 outfielder season and an easy profit at this price. Plus at 26, I'm still not willing to rule out the idea that there could be upside beyond what we saw in 2016 on the base paths and with the bat. When is the breakout going to finally come for this guy? We've been waiting for it. Yep. Um, all right. My next pick was all reliable. Adam Jones. How could you pass on him at this point? I mean, as far as consistency, I don't know Nick, if there's anyone else. I'm so excited about Adam Jones. Yeah. yeah it's, really. listen, it's, ex <laughs> it's extremely boring, but it's extremely, extremely safe. Uh, he's going to get you good counting stats. The, the offense is good, and he's going to get you 25-plus home runs with his eyes closed, and he's going to get you a decent average. The speed isn't there anymore in his game, but uh, as far as runs, RBIs, uh, home runs, and average, he's going to be exactly who he's been, and I'm okay with that at this point. He's a solid outfielder, and he's and he's very, very durable as well. Just really safe pick here. So uh... – Jones is more likely a roster construction guy, right? Yeah. Like if you I have a lot so. if you have a lot of safety up top or what you deem as safe up top, 
I mean, is a guy like Adam Jones really worth drafting? I mean, listen, if you have to, if let's say you have the steals, if you really have the steals locked up and you got to choose between Polanco and Jones, for instance, I mean, you most likely go with Jones, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's giving you the average, he's giving you the counting stats, and he's giving you more pop. Sure. Um, you compare him to other guys around here. With qu- it's a lot of question marks and Sweezer and Bruce and even Rosario Gallo and Eaton coming off an injury. Where I don't know if it's based on roster comp. It's just a smart pick. See, I think it is kind of based on roster comp because I, I, I the average is what jumps out to me is is that he's he's pretty safe for around two eighty. Um, and that's what he's pretty much always been. I mean, yeah, there can be some fluctuation year to year, but you're what you're buying here is uh, a good average and above average power. So I think if you're you can find above average power and above Jones's level there, you can find guys that can steal some bases where Jones can't. But what you find increasingly less of at this time in the draft is a guy that can give you 280 and upper 20s power. So yeah. I think I think if you're in need of power but you can't take the hit in average, that's where Jones becomes attractive. All right. So next up, I went with uh, Jay Bruce. At uh, He was 164.17 ADP. This is the sixth overall outfielder since uh, we started. So Bruce hasn't been a 220 hitter. Um, since 2014 and 2015, um, since 2010, he's averaged 151 games a year. So he's just, uh, he's, he's always there. He's always playing. Um, he's a very good bet to hit over 30 home runs, sneaking a handful of steals and not killing batting average. So I I think this is really just a case of Bruce going because he might've burned people in the past. I'm not actually really sure. I think this is just a little bit later than I'd expect him to go. Um, I mean, he's increased his line drive percentage. Um, he's had a steady home run for fly, fly ball rate. I, I mean, what's really not to like? Yeah, and I think he changed his approach a little bit last year to try and embrace the fly balls more, and he saw the results. I, I mean, this is this is like a three-year trend with him. I, I feel like I feel like we're repeating ourselves from last year, Nick, because I know both of us were like, "Why is Jay Bruce on the yeah. board at this point?" Hundred percent, and I get it because you know, oh well, there's a narrative out there that power is power and it's always available and blah blah blah. But this is a guy that just perennially goes thirty plus homers, uh, eighty five to ninety runs, and ninety plus RBIs, and that's really where the key comes in. Is you really can't buy that kind of counting production. He's going to be the four hitter on a pretty good lineup. Like, I don't get it either. I, I think he should be going higher. All right, uh, I took Steven Souza, 7th, uh, ADP 193.11, 44th outfielder off the board. Uh, Souza had what amounted to a breakout year last year with 30 bombs and 16 stolen bases, but he really struggled down the stretch. And I think the struggles might be attributable to a number of nagging injuries, including a hip problem. Souza first suffered the hip injury on July 29th. At the time, he was triple slashing 270. 371, 510, with 22 homers over 419 plate appearances and striking out a manageable 27% of the time. His hard contact was at 35.8% with a 25% line drive rate. 
And he was using his athleticism to get on base 10.7% of the time uh, in terms of hit infield hit percentage. From that point forward, the line drive rate completely evaporated, went down to 11.9%. Hard contact shrunk down 5%. His infield hit rate more than halved down to 4.1%. To me, these are very stark differences, and it points to Susan not being the same player. Now, he is a player that has been known to have some injuries. He's a bit reckless in the outfield. Um, so there is definitely some injury risk here. But I think the injury risk is more than baked into this price. And if Souza had not gotten hurt and bottomed out, he would be going up there with players like Domingo Santana and Tommy Pham, who also broke out last year. I never thought I would see the day when Pat would draft Steven Suiza, who. I used to love, and you used to hate. Never forget. Did he look bigger last year? Not to me. He, no? Not to me, no. He's always been a monster. I, I feel like he just looked even bigger last year. Nah, he's just a big dude, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Suiza. I always have been. Um, all right, my next pick. The man, Trey Mancini. I have been waiting for this kid since, like, 1987 to make his way up to the bigs. And he came up and he did exactly was what he I even thought he was. Born in 1987? No, probably not. No, not at all. Uh, he's like 25, so he was born in like 90 something. Um, but all right, listen, let's not make him <clears throat> old. Yeah, uh, I love I love uh, Mancini. Um, he's a great hitter. He's going to hit for high average once again next year. I expect uh, 290 plus average, where uh, Steamer has him for like 275. I think he'll be close to that. Uh, in between 290 and 300, and I expect the power to go up a bit uh, in between 25 and 30 range, and it's going to come with good counting stats. As we said before, the Orioles have a very good lineup. Um, a safe bet, very, very safe, great hitter, love Manzini. So you're not concerned at all about him putting the ball on the ground over 50% of the time like someone else at first base named Hosmer? No. Not at all. I mean, listen. Go look at look at the the years past 2016, 2015, 2014. Yes, they were in the minors, but just he did the same. It translated everything he did then translated into 2017. So he could continue and be successful just the way Hosmer has. So I don't disagree with you, right? But I think if he continues to put the ball on the ground, it limits that home run upside. I think. Yeah, but just who's just based not- on the swing, right? I I agree with you. I think he's got 30 home run pop in that bat, but. Until he makes a change, I don't think he's going to get there. Who's not? Yeah, making, I agree with that. Who is not making the change? You can't. We we can't even say that anymore because everyone is making the well, change. Well, I mean, he didn't last year. It was his first year up. Oh, oh okay. I and mean, Joe, the Hosmer, the Hosmer comp was was great, and I would add that it also makes him very susceptible to BABIP and luck if he's going to put the ball and play that much on the ground. Um, so that average might not be as secure as you might think. Overall, I'm with you, right? I just want to, just wanted to see what your thoughts are on the ground balls. So uh, from someone who might hit 30 home runs to someone who we can pretty much bank on hitting 30 home runs. I took Adam Duvall next um, as a ninth outfielder, 173.82 ADP. Um, so at this point, I, I think he's a lot like Adam Jones 
and he's a boring 30 home run, five steal bat. But going 30 picks later, and that's pretty much because of the batting average. Um, the thing is, is that I think that batting average difference is probably closer to 25 points than 35 like it was last year. Um, so I, I think I'm kind of okay with taking Duvall 30 picks later instead of Jones. I, I just want to say, I don't think Duvall is boring at all. I think his power up, power upside is tremendous. And again, he's kind of like Bruce. I mean, the counting numbers have been there. Yeah. But is anyone else concerned about that logjam? No. No, no. I'm not. Okay. Not, you think not it's going to sort itself out? or oh, so You think Duvall is secure? Yeah. Okay. You don't? Well, I'm kind of concerned because you got Hamilton out there in center. He's going to play until they deal him. And then yep. you've got Shevler as a lefty and Winker as a lefty and Duvall as a righty. Mm-hmm. So if they decide to go natural platoons, uh, he would be on the short side. I don't think they're going to do that, but I'm also worried that they're going to kind of run this as a uh, four-man rotation, and then Duvall won't get the volume that he's gotten in the past. I mean, it's. De- I mean, I think it's definitely Hamilton and Winker, like in that one and two spot. The, the all question right, is, listen, like, we're gonna get the Jesse Winker. All right, no, I know no. you want to talk about Jesse Winker. No, I, I actually wanted to get to Shebler and Duvall, but that's okay. <laughs> we can, we'll get to Shebler another night. Yeah, no, we'll get to Shebler tonight. I think. Okay. Okay. Um, I took Ender Inciarte tenth. 146.43 ADP. He's going off as the 33rd outfielder. Uh, Inciarte is kind of similar to Eaton, except he's a little worse at getting on base and probably has a little less pop in his bat. Inciarte slugged a career high 11 homers last year, and there's no reason to think he's going to hit any more than that. Um, the, the numbers just do not support it. What you're buying from Inciarte is a strong batting average, a healthy amount of runs, and 25 steal potential. Um, while it's not an amazing ceiling in an environment when steals are scarce, Inciarte offers them with some help in the other categories. Uh, he's a nice low floor, a uh, nice uh, low ceiling, high floor option. See, I like him over Eaton straight up in a vacuum. No, I, I, I don't because I think Inciarte has a longer history of injuries and they're the soft tissue kind where Eaton, I mean, he was literally in a fluke accident. Okay, I just think the upside. Is, uh, I think Ender has a much higher upside in stolen bases and a very, very similar uh, projection for me with home runs, which is right in that fifteen-ish area. Yeah, see, so. I think fifteen is aggressive. Is aggressive for Inciarte. And he gets um, to average. See, but he, but I will add this: Inciarte is in a ballpark that played very favorable from a power perspective. So he might not need all that much to get to that, you know, 10, 15 homer mark. Yeah. Um, all right. My next guy who was uh, – his ADP was a lot further than I took him. Uh, the ADP was two his, – his ADP is 277. Uh, but I took him nice and early because I got to boast a little bit when he breaks out this year. My guy, Hunter Renfro. 
Woo! The crowd goes wild. Yeah. <laughs> I actually know this cricket. But no, listen. Um, I just am... This is another kid I'm absolutely in love with. I don't think people are really onto the power yet as much as I am. I'm not really sure how. You watch the kid play. He is a absolute monster, and his swing is ridiculously off the charts. Um, yeah, the team is pretty damn bad, but that could be a good thing because with his uh, batting average and consistencies, he doesn't really have a short leash. He's going to play. Um, and if he plays 150, there's no way he's not hitting 30 home runs this year. It's going to happen. Uh, if you look at the K rate, it's definitely out of line with what he's done in the past as well. I think it's going to come down a little bit, uh, maybe even a lot of it. Uh, I think that last year's 29.2 com- could come down to something like 25.5, which is obviously going to result in more contact, more home runs, more everything. Uh, he's also got some hidden speed that I don't think anyone ever talks about. Uh, but I think he ha- is another guy who has potential to get to that uh, 10 mark, which is which is the big number, which if you know, if he could go 30, 10, boom, you get in a huge return at this point. I have Hunter Renfro projected for 35 home runs this year and a 250 plus average and nine steals. I love this kid. Get on board. Pat, you got anything uh, on Renfro? I mean, I think Nick made a really good point when we talked about him offline, and I don't think he touched on it now, which was that Renfro got hurt during the year, and it really tanked his season. Um, You know, I I believe that that was where he started to struggle in terms of his K rate, if I remember correctly. Um, So I, I do agree that he's got a pretty good amount of potential. I mean, he can be a guy that could hit 30-plus bombs with like a 260, 255 type batting average. Um, mm-hmm. And in, and to the point about the speed, I mean, not only may he have underrated speed, but even if he doesn't, it's San Diego and they're not going to compete this year. So if he mm-hmm. wants to run, they're going to let him run. <laughs> it's not going to matter. Sounds like um, you're coming around on this Renfro guy. No, oh. I am. I, I do. I, I, I like him quite a bit. I don't like him as much as you do, admittedly so. But, um, yeah, I think that he's – I think he's got a decent chance, more than a decent chance at his price to return value. Yeah, right. So Renfro, Duval, and Bruce can all be nearly identical players. 100%. But Renfro is going 100 picks later. Now, uh, I'm with Pat, right? I like Duval and Bruce definitely better than Renfro for a lot of the reasons that you guys have mentioned. But at 277, I mean, that could be a ton of value. Mm-hmm. So uh, up next, I went with another Padre, um, Manny Margot. Uh, he's got a 150.94 ADP. So, you know, Sarah. Saris, formerly at Fangraphs, wrote about Margot's change in launch angle in the second half, and it really showed in um, his fly ball percentage, which jumped up to 40.8% from 31.3% in the first half. His ISO shot up along with it, for, uh, up to 161 from 129, and a WRC plus of 96 in the second half compared to 88 in the first. So um, who knows if he's going to keep all those gains in the launch angle, but I do think he'll keep some of them. And I like the fans' projections on fan graphs of around 17 home runs. And he's also got even more speed than he's shown so far. So I think he can get up to 20 stolen bases. Now, 
with all of that said, 17 home runs, 20 stolen bases, that looks really good. The problem is, is that I think there's going to be a little bit of a hype train going on with Margot. And if this ADP climbs even a smidge higher, I might not be as willing to invest. Yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to have a little bit more helium as the next six to eight weeks unfolds in drafts. Um, I think he's going to be very popular because, as you stated, he's got that launch angle gain, and I do think he's going to keep some of it. Um, but he was also a top prospect. Um, he was originally a Boston guy. You know, Boston Yankees prospects tend to get a little overrated. Um, I think he's good. I, I think he, I think he'll be. I think he'll be a pretty good player. I just don't know um, where the price is going to end up, and there are players that are going behind him. That present a similar profile that I like better. Yeah, if he if he raises the exit philo a little bit along with the launch angle, then we'll see a lot more pop. But real quick, Padres lineup one through four: Margo, Myers, Perella, Renfro. That's not too bad. Let's go! Come on, Padres. <laughs> Wait, you think Perella is going to be in there? Yeah. What? What do you mean? Why not? Why wouldn't he be? I don't know. I can't think. Because you're not the managing the top of my head, but. <laughs> I mean, Ligatino isn't their manager. <laughs> he's the best. Who are you going to play over him? Uh, Franchi Cordero? Like, really? Yo, yo don't hate. Let's not, let's not go to Franchi Cordero, guys. Let's not go there. <laughs> Actually, wait. Time out. I want to go there. You're going the wormhole. Franchi Cordero? Like, a little bit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's move. Like, interesting. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. <laughs> oh, Franch me. Let's go. <laughs> he's, he's interesting like Keon Broxton was interesting. Yeah, exactly. No, not, not really, but okay. I'll, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I, I selected Michael Conforto, 13th. Uh, he has an ADP of 202.03. He's going off as the 47th outfielder. Um, I kind of like the price. I, I'm, I'm understanding that there's no guarantee on Conforto's return date. Or ability to perform upon return. And of course, there's always the caveat that he's on the Mets and he's injured, which means we may never ever see him again. Um, <laughs> but this reeks of potential major value with very little downside at this point. Conforto is essentially going as a fourth, fifth outfielder in 12 team mixed leagues. If he's close to last year's form upon return, he's not just a profit but a potential league winner at a 200-plus ADP price. Um, He's probably going to hit either in the middle or at the top of the lineup. I think he'll hit at the top of the lineup. Um, There are multiple indicators that last year's power spike was mostly for real. His expected homers was 26.7. He hit 27. He had a 40% hard contact rate, 94-mile-per-hour average velocity on fly balls and line drives, an above-average launch angle, with good barrels. Of course, shoulder injury means he might not come back to this level, but it's a pure upside play at this point. So I'm in at this cost. Yeah. And I'm completely on board with this as well. He's a really good natural hitter. And I feel like him and Darno are like extremely similar. The Mets is such a weird team. Matt, I mean, look at Matt's Harvey, Darno, Conforto, all these guys who could just be so good, but they just keep getting injured. The but best. yeah, I'm, I'm with you with Conforto. So Nick, who'd you take next? 
Oh, I took Brett the Jet. Ultra vanilla, ultra boring, but he gets the job done, damn it. Um, how could you not – how could you pass on him at this point? It's another guy just – he gets the heat. I, I, I don't get it. Year after year, he's kind of like down ADPs. Um, and last year, he went 20-20, 264, and batted leadoff for one of the best offenses in baseball. And now this offense just got a whole lot better. So sky's the limit. I mean, he's going to get a ton of at-bats. You're looking at something like 285-plus, 290 plate appearances on a guy who can really steal and who has some sneaky power. The last three years, he's got, gone 15-plus home runs year after year after year, and he stole 20-plus bases uh, every year since 2013, if you minus uh, 2016, where he was dinged up almost the entire year. He played through it, but he was in, injured throughout the entire season. Um yeah, he's getting old, um, but he's going to get on base at a high clip. He's like 350, put it in the bank, OBP. He's going to bat 260, right around that number. He's going to get you 15-plus home runs. He's going to get you right around 20 steals. What's not to like? And he's going to come very, very close to hitting 100 runs this season. So, wait, how many plate appearances do you have him for? Uh, 200 like more? No, no, no. Like 685-ish around Late appearances? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's where you lose me. Why? Because Aaron Hicks is going to start. No, he's not. He has to. What do you There's mean? There's no way Brett Gardner is going to start in center field, dude. What are you talking about? What do you well, mean? What am I talking wait about? Wait a second. Wait a second. They've come out, and I think they've said they're going to roll basically the four outfielders on an almost everyday basis, and they're just going to rotate in and out whoever goes to DH. Yeah. Well, all right. But I would imagine they're also going to give Gary Sanchez Gary, some time yeah. in DH too. I so, think 680 listen. is extremely aggressive in terms of plate appearances. Okay, you guys over under 500? I would what? go over 500, but under 600. I think he's right around 550. Plate appearances? Yeah, yeah, dude, definitely over. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. You, 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 him, Judge, and Stan are locked in the outfield. You're gonna have Hicks in and out at DH, and Sanchez a catcher. That's just no. Gonna Hicks be is gonna play center field if he's in the lineup on most days, because he's a better defender than Gardner. Period. It's not even close. All right. Well, whatever. If they ship, either put one in the DH or the other. What's the difference if they're all gonna play? I agree, but Gardner also has gotten hurt in the past and Ellsbury is still there. And I know that you don't think Ellsbury is going to play, but he's oh, going to no, play. Ellsbury is definitely not going to play. And Garner really hasn't gotten, hasn't missed significant time since like 2009. Okay. Well then we just disagree. I mean, you know, I don't know what to tell you, Nick, I'm not going to convince you otherwise, but I would put his plate appearances right around 550. Joe, where do you have him? You obviously you said 500, so do you have him below 500? No, I have him like right around 500. Okay. See, I don't even think he needs the volume. The offense is going to be ridiculous. So, I mean, even at 550 plate appearances, he could score. He could score close to 100 runs. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. That's impossible. But... Uh, well, I'm I'm talking in hyperbole a little bit, but you, you get the you get the drift. He's he's gonna he's gonna have his counting stats anyway because that lineup is ridiculous. On most days when he plays, he's going to be hitting at the top of a lineup in front of Judge Stanton, 
Bird and Sanchez. You don't think he's going to score a ton of runs, even if he has diluted playing time? Of course. Well, there you go. That was my point. Okay. All right. So next up, I went with another similar 2020 type guy in Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, He's got 177 ADP. Um, So KK, he was on our, uh, on the FWO watch list last year in a huge way. Um, Even with a fractured hip, Kiermaier still managed to go 15-16 in what looked like a year where it finally all came together. Um, In 2016, his infield, uh, his pop-up rate skyrocketed, which pretty much absolutely tanked his batting average. So last year, that that pop-up rate returned to his career normal, and his batting average went along for the ride. The power increase is what is really welcoming, as after he came back from the injury, his ISO jumped up to over 200. Um, the increase came with an increase in fly ball percentage by 6% and an increase in hard hard contact by 5%. So Kiermaier was in the middle of the breakout that we all wanted. And if, and this is a big if, he can stay healthy, I think he's a good bet to go 2020. Thoughts? Yeah, I love Kiermaier. I, I, I agree. I think he's actually got upside beyond that. Um, I could see... 25 plus steals in, you know, as a very realistic possibility considering how fast he is. Um, and the fact that he's going to hit near the top of that lineup when he's healthy, it's all about health. I, I, I think he could be, um, you know, a, even a 2030 guy. Over under three and a half walls ran into for Kiermaier next year. Over. <laughs> Over. That's the reason why he won't go 2030. <laughs> but I pray for the under. I pray and for just, the under. And a quick side note for everyone out there: we all love and have always loved Kiermaier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when I was when I'm when we were talking about Manny Margot, this was specifically who I was referencing. I would rather have Kiermaier than Manny Margot. Do you guys agree with that? Or, oh, without a doubt. Joe. Um. They, I literally have them ranked back to back, which is probably who's, why he's front back to back. Yeah, he's got who's many more going front because he took Margo. Yeah, oh, Margo, you're, you're crazy. Okay, all right. I took Eric Thames, one seventy one point eight three ADP. He's approximately outfielder forty. Uh, like Domingo Santana, Thames could be the odd man out on the Brewers in terms of playing time. Although I still think one or the other, and I think it's likely to be Santana, will be traded. Uh, last year, he started red hot and then cooled. I think some was injury, some was fatigue, and some was the league adjusting to him. What I find encouraging is that at the end of the year, Thames turned a corner with a 328, 431, 574 triple slash and a K rate down the 27.8% in the last month of the year uh, after three consecutive months over 30%. The triple slash was supported by a 51.2% hard contact rate. I still see upside here with the batting average ticking closer to 260, 265 with 30 plus bombs and good on base skills. Um, I think the like, what the likeliest case is that the playing time works itself out, but I think the potential that he won't see close to full time at bats will keep the price lower on Thames, which makes him a value. Yeah, I'm. I, I absolutely love teams. We loved them last year as well. Um, the thing about him is uh, kind of 
similar to Miggy, where uh, if you take him and he goes bananas the first month or two of the year, like he did last year, I would just sell him right away and you know take the farm because there's a lot of people out there still that think that this guy is a lot better than what he did in the second half of last year. See, I, I don't know if that's a viable strategy, though, because I don't know if people are going to be willing to pay the price. Uh, Well, listen, last year our, our, in our league, the guy that had him, John, our friend John, I must have messaged him a thousand times a day. Why are you not telling him? Why are you not telling him? His value was so high. And he's the type of guy that he gets so hot at points and just looks so on the money. I mean, I think you could get a lot from him. Yeah, I think people would be timid because of how poorly he tanked in the second yeah, half. True. So um, I, I think if he gets hot, you're probably better off just riding it out. Unless if you get a really good deal, obviously. I mean, yeah. it's league dependent, but I, I don't know if people are going to be flocking to, to trade for teams. Um, my next pick, Kyle Schwarber. Um, you know, when I took him, I was kind of like, I'll just take Schwarber here. <laughs> but, then after, but then after I took him, I kind of like looked into it. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like this a little bit. First of all, I liked him a lot before he came up. I thought he was going to be a big time player. And obviously, you know, he broke his leg in the outfield and, you know, had some really bad luck in the bigs. But, um, but here's what we know about him. He's got a huge, he's got a big bat. He's a great hitter. Good. I'm a great power hitter. Uh, I don't think he's a 211 average guy, which he, what he did last year. I think that's going to come way up. I think the K rate's going to go down as well. Uh, you know, this K rate is kind of something new. We started in 2015 a bit at 28.2, but if you look at the years past in the minors, he was only striking out 20% or less at the time. So I think he's got a lot of room to come down in K uh, in the K rate. Uh, the walk rate is nice. He gets on base a lot and he's batting in, I'm guessing this two hole in a really, really good lineup. The only problem is the leash. There's a lot of good guys on that bench. Um, Ian Happ. <laughs> Ian, ha- Avi, that's the, that's the guy who I'm yeah. right away. But they also have Jason Hayward, who absolutely sucks, and somehow he's still on the team. <laughs> yeah, because he's paid oh, a ton. God, he's so bad. Uh, but I don't know. This you, you look at you look at Robert, and then you look at Bruce, and you look at those guys, and he kind of fits in with that crop. Except I think Schwarber has the biggest upside, and I don't know if you guys have seen him lately. He Ooh, dropped twenty. Old. He dropped twenty pounds this off season. Um, he looks really good. He's in great shape. I don't know. I, 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 I really like Schwarber, and I think the upside is tremendous. He could hit close to 40 home runs, and that average is definitely coming up. I, I'll put a money bet on that, that he comes over 230 this year. Yeah, the, the, the problem with like 40 home runs, I, if, he, if he had 600 plate appearances against righties, then yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> but, but he's like pretty much a platoon bat at this point. Yeah, he has not shown that he can hit lefties at all, um, which might help him get the average over two thirty, as you said, Nick. Yeah, and he can be he can be productive if he's limited to righties. Like, let's not let's not get it twisted, particularly in daily leagues. Like, that's what you want. You don't want him to face lefties because you can sub him in and out on a daily basis and maximize him. But in terms of a full season, it becomes difficult for him to get the numbers that he needs to get if he's not playing every day. And especially when he's not going to be a high average hitter, even against righties. I mean, like what, what's his upside? Isn't his upside like Jay Bruce? 
Yeah, like two fifty five ish or so. Something you think like he can go that. beyond that, Nick? Uh, I think he can, and I I think the home runs, like I said, could go close to forty. He's only he's just got to improve a little bit against lefties. I know it was pu- I know. Listen, one seventy one is putrid. Well, that's not uh, a little bit. <laughs> I know, but he he batted two twenty one against righties, so it's not. Yeah, it's better, but he just struggled. He struggled on the year as a whole. So I think both of those numbers come up. All right, next up, I went Corey Dickerson, two hundred nine point seven ADP. It's the eighteenth outfielder now. So Dickerson slowed up a whole lot in the second half. He got one might say. Corey, Corey Dickerson, Dickerson cold. <laughs> so that's to be expected from someone who whiffs 15% of the time. Uh, he saw his strikeout rate increase by 6% in the second half. Saw that WRC plus dropped to 80. So with all that said, I think this is just really a case of Dickerson being a bit hotter than uh, he actually is in the first half. And then just freezing up and being a bit colder in the second half than he really is. And again, this is due to his streaky nature, which we've coined Corey Dickerson cold. Um, I think he's a really good bet to be, to pencil in mid twenties pop, a few steals, and a two sixty five average. It's nothing really spectacular, but I think at this point he's pretty safe. And again, I just can't, I, I, I can't help but compare him to like Adam Jones. I know the batting average won't be as high, but it's like another sixty picks, and I think he'll end up with a sort of similar line. I worry that he's got a little more um, – I, I just worry about the downside. I mean, we've seen it already. We've seen it in Tampa where he struggles. He's another one of these players that's sort of a free swinger. Um, Definitely. He doesn't carry a big walk rate. So you're really dependent on the ball leaving the yard and the balls in play working out. And he does have a profile that normally leads to a plus bad bit. I'll give him that. But – Again, it's just not my type of player, but I, I, I think him and Aaron, I think him and, him and Adam Jones are like an interesting comp because we've seen Dickerson post these two seventy ish, two eighty ish averages and hit for high twenties pop, and he's going what like sixty outfielders, later. yeah, like ten outfielders after uh, Adam Jones. So maybe if you want to take the shot on a player of Adam Jones's ilk, but you don't want to pay up for Adam Jones. You take Dickerson, but it comes with the caveat that he, Dickerson's been much more inconsistent than Jones has. And there's yeah. also a big difference in runs and RBI production. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, mm, yes. yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Dickerson's, Dickerson hit near the top of the lineup. I mean, he's going to, I don't know whether he's going to hit one or two. I know last year for the majority of the season, he was the one hitter, right? Yeah, the thing is, always the argument is, if he doesn't hit, then he's probably going to get moved down, which hurts him. Yeah. Okay. All right, I took Mark Trumbo 19th. Uh, 227.55 ADP, outfielder 53. Like teammate Chris Davis, the market seems to have given up on Trumbo, which is a little odd considering he's just one season removed from leading the American League with 47 homers. At 32, I don't think he suddenly lost it. If you look at the skills, there's a line of demarcation with a pretty good explanation. On July 29th, which it seems like everybody got hurt on July 29th, (laughs) Trumbo goes on the DL with a rib strain. It is entirely unclear when the injury occurred, but if you look at the first half splits, 
He was triple slashing an unimpressive 254, 316, 422, but that was with an 8.2% walk rate and a 20.7% K rate. That line, while unimpressive, is a hot Trumbo month away from where he should be. In the second half, he completely bottomed out. Walk rate dropped down to 4.9%. K rate skyrocketed up to 31.4%. Triple slash plummeted to 202, 243, 357. To me, it's the same argument I made with Souza. It's just the player completely lost like all ability to hit. He was playing <laughs> through an injury, and that's what caused his production to completely fall off. So, I mean, this is a potential league-leading home run hitter who's going at a price where he's basically free. He's still in a plus lineup. He's still in a plus ballpark. He's in a plus division for hitters. He, he's going as the fifth outfielder, a fifth outfielder in 12-team mixers. Um, so he's either a bench piece or your final outfield that bad if you're playing in uh, five outfielder leagues. For what the upside is, which he is just one year removed from, I love the price. Yeah, I'm completely completely with you. And he's most likely going to stay in the DH spot, right? I mean, if Austin Hayes comes up early um, and stays in the outfield, then it kind yeah. of then it kind of puts you at ease a little bit about re-injury uh, or any type of injury risk. So I'm completely on board with Trumbo. I, I love the pick here. Yeah, where where is where is he bat four? No. Probably five, five or six. I would bet he's going to bat five or six to start the year. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, he's a hot month away from being, you know, the four hitter. Yeah. Uh, my next pick. Uh, I did not get any kind of ovation for this. Let me tell you, people, if you heard the uh, – the crowd reaction, it was not one to remember. I took Odubel Herrera. Um, I'm surprised I didn't get any booze. Joe? No? Nah, I, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> with the Dubel, Dubel, Dubel. All right. Well, I know Pat hates him, but. Yeah, um, I just have a personal vendetta against him at this point. Yeah, so, he got burnt. You know, yeah, he got burnt hard. Last year, if I remember correctly, I believe his ADP was somewhere around the ninth and 10th round. Yeah, it sounds that, about right. It's about Correct. right. Correct. There were a lot of people out there like me, like Pat, who liked him a lot earlier than that. Um, and I thought a big breakout was coming, but boy, he struggled mightily. And in a season Wrong. where he... Wrong. I'm saying, we were, I'm saying we were wrong. Oh, yes, we were wrong. <laughs> but here's the thing. In a season where he quote-unquote struggled mightily, he still hit 281 on the season. He was like not that bad. He wasn't that bad, but he isn't where we thought he would be. Which I yes. I thought the stolen and what I said all offseason last year was, oh, there's upside for Pop. Oh, the steals are going to be 20 plus <laughs> a lot because he is really fast and he gets on base a lot. But last year the OBP dropped to 325, where it was 361, 344, 373. He got on base less, stole less. That's what happens. Um, I think that this guy is a super talented hitter and it's going to continue this year. He could make his way to the top of the lineup. He could get that OBP back up to the 250-inch range, which could maybe bump out Cesar Hernandez, who we all know and love. Um, 
And I still do think that there is more pop upside in his bat. He did go 14 last year, which isn't terrible, 15 the year before. I think he could come close to 20 this year. And I think the steals are a lock to go over 10. Steamer's got him projected for 15, 13, and that's in 143 games played. I have him projected for something for 18, 22, and that's going to come with a really nice average. If you compare him and Gregory Blanco side by side, they're extremely similar players. Except Herrera doesn't really go through these prolonged cold streak cold streaks. He doesn't really get hurt, and I think well, he's. You obviously didn't own him last year because there was a mighty cold streak. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and then I took it from you, and he was good again. But... Uh, let me let me just uh, let me just say this about Herrera. He's also a complete knucklehead. Like he's he doesn't run out ground balls. He's an amazing athlete, but he's, he's got a 345 no, Babip. Of course, he runs out. Got no Babbitt. instinct whatsoever in the field. Like he's he's also an awful, awful on the base pass. Awful. Yeah, just a complete knucklehead. He's got to change his stance. <laughs> he's got to change his brain. I Wait, why does he have to change his stance? He's a 280 hitter. I don't care. I can't even look at him at the plate. <laughs> he looks like he's trying to stay up, but he's drunk. He's trying to keep his balance. It's the worst. Wait, but okay. anyway. I, I have a quick question. I have Go. a quick question. Serious, though. Go. Um, I, I actually like Herrera a bit, but um, he is really bad on the base paths. And I think the Phillies are going to be better this year. I mean, I think we all think the Phillies oh, are going to be better this year. Be. Right? So... Do you think there's any concern that he actually won't steal as many bags? No. Because they're going to be better. He's terrible on the paths. Well, well, the other thing is, here's the, the one positive uh, is that there's really no one else on the team that does steal bases besides Cesar Hernandez, and he doesn't steal them at a big clip. So he's really the only base stealer on the team. They got to send them every now and then. And, I mean, the, oh, here's the other thing. One and two on this lineup, and it, and it is a talented lineup. Does JP JP Crawford hold that spot in the, the two spot if he's the two guy? Does JP Crawford hold? I mean, is he going to be up? I mean, right who away? else is yes, who else starting is, the year? Who else is in a pretty short? Go ahead. I said he's apparently going to start the year in the majors. JP Crawford is not someone who I'm actually very fond of. So he's a, he's a very toolsy guy. Well, let's 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 just say all right. So if you're starting the year right now as uh, as a the Philly manager. You're going Hernandez Herrera. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So if he's in the two slot, doesn't that make him like really, really sexy? Especially yeah, when I mean, you compare him to Polanco. A ton. They both get on base a ton. I don't know. I, I, I'm not on board with Odubel Herrera. <laughs> you have play. personal bias, I though. Watched him, no, but I, no, but I watched him play a lot last year, <laughs> and he did not pass the eye test for me, Nick. Ooh, shots. Sad. <laughs> and right. you can say he gets on base a lot, but he didn't walk last year. And they have other hitters that can hit in two slot. And I believe at the end of last year, he was down towards the bottom of the lineup. Well, you know what? The crowd know it's no the crowd is starting to get a sense of who is coming next. So they're on their feet. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's hit a nice streak of a yeah. bunch of guys we all love. So next up, I picked Stephen Piscotty. Yeah, two hundred eighty point five ADP. So uh, we love Piscotty here. 
it was a tough choice between Piscotti and, and uh, Mitch Hanniger, who we also love, who hint, hint, we might be talking about soon. We know about uh, the Cards making the right move here on a personal level, moving Piscotti to Oakland so he can be closer to his sick mother. Uh, you know, what's better than that? Uh, we here believe he's got low 20-ish pop and think he can even steal a smidge more. He's also not a 235 hitter. I mean, this kid was sought after for his ridiculous hit tool. We saw it for two years. He showed it off. We know we can hit better than that. Um, I think there's definitely a little bit of a Gene Segura effect here. Um, and with the peace of mind, Piscotti pull, puts it together and can and goes 22-10 and a 280-ish average. Yeah, I, I, I almost have the same projection. I have him at 24 homers. Eight steals and 280. Um, he's a player that we've long been fond of. He makes a lot of hard contact. Uh, he's he's going to be able to hit for a good average. He's increased his walk rate. Uh, going to Oakland is actually good for his power. And I think they might be able to also coach him up and to tap further into his power than St. Louis did. Um, you know, Oakland's an innovative front office. They've got a lot of guys that have embraced the fly balls. Um, Piscotti could see like an, a five or five to seven percent uptick in his fly balls. I think that would be huge for his power and wouldn't hurt his average um, too much. Uh, I'm completely on board with this pick. I, I think that he's a fantastic value as the 66th outfielder off the board. And neither of you called him Italian cookies. But that's his name, Italian Cookies, for everyone out Italian there. Italian Cookies, yeah. Yeah, we love our Italian Cookies. Okay, 22nd, Mitch Hanniger, 192.1 ADP, the 43rd outfielder off the board. One of last year's trendiest sleepers, Hanniger had an impressive, albeit interrupted, rookie campaign. In a little less than two-thirds of his season, Hanniger hit 16 bombs with five steals, triple slash 282, 352, 491. Although the final numbers in terms of counting look unimpressive, um, there may be a reason for more optimism. Hanager suffered an oblique strain on April 25th. At the time, he was hitting an otherworldly 342, 447, and 608. Small sample, but that line really leaps off the page. Upon his return in June through the All-Star break, he suffered a bit of regression, mostly due to a 27% K rate, but this was underscored by a contact percentage of 78.7 and a swinging strike percentage of 8.4%. The BABIP also suffered down around 280, despite a plus batted ball profile. So some of the mix, of reg some of the mix was regression, but I think it was a little too far considering the skills he displayed. In July, Henniger suffered a finger injury and then fouled a ball off his face and suffered a minor concussion, which kept him out until halfway through August. Upon his return, the strikeout rate sunk back down to 22%. And he clubbed nine of his 16 homers and triple slash 318, 344, 580. The one red flag at that point was the walk rate was just over 3%. But I think the explanation to this is somewhat simple. Pitchers were seeing that Hanager would take a strike, thus the K percentage jumped in June and July. Upon his return, Hanager became less patient and more aggressive in the zone, um, 
As of July 29th, pitchers were throwing Hanniger in the zone 45.1% of the time, and he was swinging just 59.2% of the time. From August 19th, which is when he returned, through the end of the year, pitchers threw Hanniger strikes 49.8% of the time, and Hanniger swung 65.1% of the time. So he jumped up about 6% in terms of his zone swing percentage. I think the projections, Steamer's projection is 19 homers, seven steals, 253. I think that's light. I have him for 26 homers, eight steals, and a 280 batting average. Yo, I love Mitch. Yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> I Who think doesn't love Mitch? Me. I think he's definitely more of a, a 25 <laughs> home run guy than a 19 home run guy. This tells you all you need to know. Nick loves Odubel Herrera. <laughs> doesn't like Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. So tell us why you don't like Mitch Hanniger. I don't. Me and you are about to fight right now. No, no, no. First of all, it's not that I don't like Mitch Hanniger. I'm just not as crazy about Mitch Hanniger as you guys. I don't think there's that much speed in his upside. I don't think there's that much power in his upside. <gasps> he just crushes the ball every and time I'm, he makes contact. And I'm just like, eh. Now, you want to segue... This is a good segue into some real power. Big Willie Styles himself getting jiggy with it. Willie Calhoun. Oh, yeah. I hope you guys are on board with this guy because he is going to break out this year in a very, very big way. First off, before we get into Calhoun himself, as we say every year, the Ranger lineup is very strong and it's very easy to move up because there are injuries at the top of this lineup. There are old guys at the top of this lineup, and there's a lot of spots to be had, and the top of this lineup is a nice place to be. With Calhoun, the beautiful thing about him is he's the rare guy at this point. When you look at Bruce and all the guys you talk about, Hunter Renfro and uh, Shebler and Duvall, the difference between those guys and Calhoun is Calhoun has a very, very, very sexy K-rape, such a good power hitter, and he walks. He gets on base a ton. He's a very, very, very skilled hit, hitter for such a young player. Um, he's going to be up this year, and he's going to start at age 23. Sky's the limit. Even if he, let's just say, starts off in the seven spot, which I think that's where he'll be, like behind Odor, still not a bad place to be because he's behind Odor, Gallo, Beltre. A lot of good guys in front of him that are going to get on base. Well, maybe not Gallo, but... Um, I have this kid projected in 150 games for 30-plus home runs. Get ready for it. 30-plus home runs, 5-plus steals, 280 average, and a 335 OBP. Love him. Yeah, I don't actually think that's crazy. Actually, um, bring that OBP to 345. Uh, all right, all right. That makes such, such a big difference. Was, what was the batting average? 280, right? Yep, 280-plus. Okay. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, when we, when we, I think we talked about him on second base, no? Yes. Yeah, so my, my concerns were uh, potential playing time issues. And at that time, the Rangers were talking about bringing in Lorenzo Kane. That obviously didn't happen. So uh, now that we're really close to spring training, um, I don't really think that anyone's going to be in his way. So I'm on board with you, Nick. I mean, the dude can just absolutely rake. Yeah, I mean, my concern with him is is twofold, and 
I like the player, and I do think that he's going to be a productive big leader, leaguer, but the red flags are real. Um, one is he doesn't have a position. Now, that's not a huge deal because he's in the AL. They can just DH him. Um, but it is, a, it is a concern. It is something that you have to keep in mind because that means he has to hit. Um, there's no value in him defensively. So if he does not hit, um, well, he's... Wait. Why is he not playing outfield in your mind? Why can't he play the outfield? Because he stinks. Because he's yeah, but, terrible in the field. But you're looking at... I mean, at... he can. They can stick him out there in a corner and let whatever's going to happen happen. But he's it's well known that Willie Calhoun is a player without a position. Yeah, Go I ahead. mean, the good thing is the Rangers are probably going to be pretty bad. Yeah, so I mean... Maybe they stick him out there and hope that maybe he can turn himself into a scratch defender in a corner, um, or at least not an abomination. Um, which, yeah, again, there's no, there's a non-zero chance that happens. But it is a real issue that he doesn't have a position because if he doesn't have a position and he's an abomination defensively and they have to stick him at DH, he's got a hit. And if he's cold and he's not hitting and he doesn't have a position, then he's – Gone. You don't have to worry about that with him though, because he doesn't strike out ever. Well, like he's gonna, yes. the, he's gonna get hit. Like he's gonna the average is gonna be there. See, to but me, what, I think I think he looks more like, um, I think he looks a little bit at the plate like Carlos Santana. I think which, the profile is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. It just means I think he's gonna hit closer to like two sixty, two sixty five. Yeah, and, and again, right, like, you can't just overlook the lack of defense, right? Like, Santana played third base for a while. Well, he also played first base. I mean, we're talking about a guy that can't even really handle first. All right, but you, you stick him in a corner. It, would you really rather have, like, the Shields, like, who's... Well, the Shields has to play center, right? And then Mazzara and Chu. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, and Chu's also an injury risk. Bizarre is a guy who could go cold and hit for low average, but let's not go through the whole range of lineup. I mean, are you guys on board with the pick or are you not on board with the pick? Yeah, 2 0. I'm on board with taking the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So next up, uh, I took Lewis Brinson, um, a former Ranger, for a brief time there. Uh, so we already talked about, about him at the top of the last podcast, um, but this is the, like the beef at 315 is that he didn't have a job prior to being moved. So I expect Brinson to move to climb up draft boards a bit uh, before March. But, uh, I mean, he shouldn't be going at 315. I have him at, let's see. Let me look real quick. I have him at 50th overall, right behind Piscotty and Hanniger. So, yeah. Where do you guys have him? Uh, Brinson... Uh, I've got him lower than that. I've yeah, got, got him, him closer. To, I've got him closer to his actual ranking. I'd say yeah. I've got him around seventy. Yeah, I have. I have pulling it up. I have him at seventy-five, right where it is. Wow. Kind of surprised. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, Take I mean, out of it. I, I, I think I think he's just gonna get gonna get like full playing time now. I mean, the counting stats are gonna be rough, right? But I think he could be like nineteen, thirteen in full full playing time. I could see that. My issue with Brinson is I, I just – I think he's a player that has kind of been um, 
a little more hype over substance at this point. And it's not that I don't think that he's capable of becoming a productive big leaguer. I'm just worried that he's not there yet. And I think that he might struggle out of the gate. I, I think he could be a player that could be useful in bursts um, as opposed to what he'll do over a full season. Um, and I think the lineup is kind of a big deal because I, I just don't know who's going to be there, what's going to be left. And uh, it'd be great if he can, you know, get hits and get on base, but who's driving him in and who is he driving in? Um, I just don't know that the runs and RBIs will be there. Yeah. I mean, I can't dispute that. I, I have him for like 130 runs plus RBIs, which is pretty bad. Yeah. But, but yeah, I it's think tough, to, tough with that total. So bad. Yeah. It's tough with that kind of total to like end up too high because there are so many, especially in the outfield. I mean, there's so many hitters that are driving in runs and scoring runs. It's like, it's impossible to make up that kind of ground. All right. Let's talk about Nomar Mazzara, 169.388 P. He's the 39th outfielder off the board. We're obviously beneath the market on Mazzara, and this could make us look really bad, guys. <laughs> There's like a real possibility that this makes us look pretty bad. But I, I think we'll all acknowledge that he's got high-end upside and high-end potential in terms of his pedigree. But the fact remains that as of right now, he's really been all hype and not much substance. Um, he's a 20 homer, 250 hitting outfielder. is just not special. Uh, he finished as the 63rd outfielder on ESPN's Player Raider last year behind illustrious names like Denard Spand, Gerardo Parra, and Melky Cabrera. At 22-23, there's plenty of time for him to tap into his upside, but in redraft, there's no certainty that it comes this year. Two years running, he's established himself as a low 20s power bat with a 260-ish average. As I said, it's just really not very special. Um, he took some baby steps last year, though. I'll give him that, uh, even if the results weren't there. He upped his walk rate 2%. The fly ball rate went up nearly 5%. Hard contact rate rose 4%. He upped his pull fly balls about 3%. So you had some incremental gains here um, that just didn't show up in the results. Um, there was nothing at the end of the year that indicated that anything clicked. Um, you know, there wasn't any kind of strong surge uh, in September to indicate that he found it or, or, or that something had clicked that makes him uh, a clear-cut breakout candidate at this point. Uh, you know, if he puts it all together, I could see a player that looks similar to like what you would expect out of a healthy Michael Conforto, uh, you know, 30 homers, 275, 280 average. Um, but there's nothing to say that it's coming this year. Yeah, I agree that the exit velo is and eh, the launch angle is and eh, the hard contact 32 percent. It's just nothing is eye opening. The only thing that's in his favor is that he's 22 years old. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. Against righties, he totally passes the eye test. He can he can crush the ball. It's just he's got a little bit of an issue against lefties, and up to this point, he's been boring. So I think that's why collectively the three of us are just down on him. Yeah, and and one quick thing to add though, uh, the average home run distance is four twenty two, and that is like amongst the elite in the game. So when he does hit him out. 
they're absolutely gone. Yeah, but, but that's why he's got. That's why he's got like a thirty homer. You know, I don't even want to say that's his upside, but like that's that's what he could become annually yeah. is a thirty homer bat that's going to hit about two seventy five, two eighty. But it's just not there yet. Yeah. So I mean, and the price kind of sucks yeah, this some of the expensive. profit out of it. Yeah, this is expensive for sure. Like one sixty nine. I I mean, that that's expensive, especially when we just talked about Willie Calhoun, who we all feel pretty safe that he's going to hit more than twenty. I mean, it's just it's just hard to get behind one sixty nine. Yeah. Uh, my next pick, uh, very similar to Adubel Herrera. Pat cringed, and I heard cries on his end. And we're going to hear some boos probably again. Yeah. But I took uh, Carlos Gonzalez with Boo. my next pick. <laughs> Pat was burned by both him and Adubel Herrera. This is, the, this is the 56th outfielder in our drafts right now. Yeah. Um, so, listen, I, I'm basically – Taking him here, hoping that he gives me half of what he used to be. That's all I'm asking for. Just or 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 three quarters. Um, last year was very 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 odd because he was he just went from being really good to like one of the worst players in baseball. He was so bad last year. <laughs> like I, I I just can't even tell you. And Pat can tell you as a Carlos Gonzalez owner watching him. That it was tough. The first half, he batted 221, and it seemed like he batted 100. It, it, he just never got on base. He never got a hit. He wasn't walking. He wasn't doing anything. It was bad. Uh, you look at the stat cast, and some weird things happened last year. The launch angle dropped down to 5.23, which is insanely low. And I, you know what? I can't pull up 2016 because for some reason, you can't pull up older uh launch angles from years past, but I guarantee you it was over t- at least over 10 um, because you can't hit 25 or 40 home runs with the launch angle being around five. So that drops it significantly. Um, and everything else dropped as well. But I, listen, he still, at the end of the day, had a not so bad batting average to end the year. The second half, he actually hit 314. So he came back a little bit and started making you know better contact all around. He struck out a lot less. Um, he walked a little bit more. The, the the power still kind of was eh, but he did hit more home runs in the second half as well. So he had a much better second half. And I'm willing to bet on a guy who was an every year all star that he could make some kind of comeback this year and and return value if he stays healthy. And if he has a job, job, which he's going to, <laughs> will he though? Yeah, yeah, course. but is he going to start, dude? Come on, you don't think he might platoon? <laughs> come on, come on, man, come on, man. Well, no, why really, would the Mets go out and sign Cargo right now? Really? You don't think well he might platoon though, wherever he ends up? Would you say you don't think he might platoon wherever he ends up? Nah, I man, think that's a cargo. strong possibility. It's Cargo. I think that's a pretty strong possibility. Yeah, dude. At at, at 56th outfielder, I got some beef with it. At 289, all right, fine, roll the dice. But this is, like, kind of too high in the outfielder rankings for me. Yeah, I think it's a little too high um, as well. Listen, I can can get more on board with this than I can get on board with the doable. 
um, <laughs> just because Cargo has an elite track record in terms of what he's done in the past. And, I mean, I understand it was in Coors, but I could totally see a scenario where he signs somewhere and has a bounce-back season. Um, but I'm with Joe. There's a lot of uncertainty regarding his situation. I think wherever he goes, he's going to start out as a uh, probable platoon bat. And I don't know how much of that upside is still there based upon what we saw last year. Um, you know, I, I think like his 75 to 80% to pro, uh, projection in terms of upside would probably be something like uh, what you would expect out of Adam Jones. Yep. Which would be like a 270, 27 homer season. It's good, but that's like that's his realistic upside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up, I went with uh, Shinsu Chu. And uh, he's got Choo, a two, 278.1 ADP, 57th outfielder here. So with 16 being a lost year to all sorts of injuries, can anyone actually tell me why there's so much Shin Chu hate? Because last year, last year he was pretty darn good. I mean, is this like age-related bias? What's wrong with 2010 and the 260 batting average? It's boring. No, I. It wasn't just one injury. Injury uh, rattled season. It, it happened many times in the past. I mean, this he. It's, I think at this point, it's safe to say that he's injury prone. Uh, I, I, I disagree agree. with that. What Wait, was that? Agree? No, you're on an island. <laughs> Joe's on an island. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Go no, ahead, he's jo- definitely he's definitely got a lengthy injury history going back, um, particularly in re- in recent years. I mean, I know that he played most of last year, but the year before that, I think he played something like 45, 50 games. Yeah, that was 2016. Okay, and then 2015, how many games did he play? 149. Uh. And the year before that, 123, which was a bit okay, of a big Yeah, so then there right. you go. And then 13 is like 154. We don't have to go all the way back. I know. He's missed some games. He's, yeah, he's, he's definitely missed some games. games. I, I, and yeah. he's also been a player that's played through injuries and been absolutely terrible yes. when he's hurt. And, and oh. where do you – Oh, my thing. God, the hate. No, 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 no. You know, I, I actually hate, like I, you. I like this. <laughs> All right, Pat. Oh, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. You know, right you now. just asked. No, wait a second. He asked why he's going so low. Yes, and we that is what I asked. Really offered the explanation. Yes. Yes. Now, listen. Uh, he's going to hit at the top of a pretty good lineup. He's got twenty plus homer power. He can steal ten bags. Yeah. Uh, he can get on base at like a three seventy, three eighty clip. Um, he's the kind of player that you. Love in daily leagues because you can platoon him and get the good stuff against the righties and avoid the bad stuff against the lefties. In Roto, yeah, you're going to have to deal with – in Roto or, or weekly formats, you're going to have to deal with those bad at-bats versus the lefties or some missed um, production because the volume isn't there uh, if they decide to start to sit him against lefties. But, I mean, all in all, I, I think that this is a fantastic price for a player that's going to hit off hit somewhere near the top of a really good lineup. Yeah. I, and I think it's a good price too, but 
and the other thing to add to why he's going so low is he's just not sexy in either category. So he's not getting 25 home runs, and he might get to 10 steals. So people don't really look at OBP uh, and OPS as much as like we do. So I think it's just a lot of unsexiness, but there's definitely value to be had in return, especially in the run department. Yeah, I agree. Okay, 28th, I've got uh, Michael Brantley. So this is the 58th outfielder if we're going for counting the first 30. Uh, 243.73 ADP, outfielder 56. After missing all of 2016, owners that invested in Brantley were pleased with their return through early August as Brantley was going at about a 13 homer, 17 steal, 300 batting average pace with good counting numbers. Um, Unfortunately, early in August, the injury bug bit. Brandon Brantley suffered an ankle injury, which was apparently more severe than originally reported because he had to have ankle surgery this offseason. I think last year's 130-ish game pace, which was, was pace was prior to the injury, is probably the new reality for Brantley. But I still think he can be a useful player in daily formats where you can sub him in and out and make up for the lost volume. Plus, the cost is very minimal. He's going as a fifth outfielder in 12-team mixed leagues. Um, there's a chance that the ankle cuts into his athleticism and he runs less. But that was the thought last year when he was coming back from injury um, and, a, and a big layoff and entering his age 29 season, and it didn't matter. It's a different injury. But he was 11 of 12 on the base pass last year. I still think that he can run um, – I think Brantley's a pretty good bet for 15, 15, 300 um, over a 130 game pace. Um, it's really just a matter of how many of those 130 games you get. Um, so, I mean, I'm okay with taking the point, taking the chance on an injury risk, especially when he's going to provide a little bit of bat, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and an elite batting average. So he's not even on my list. Like I don't even have him ranked. He's played 101 games since 2015. Uh, and now with the ankle injury, like there's no question that I'm just staying away from him, especially because if he was a player that could give me a major upside in one particular category, then I'd kind of be like, ah, maybe. But he's not really giving me major power. He's not really giving me major speed. The average, yes, it, it, it'll probably be there, but... I just don't think he's rosterable. And the other thing is this. If he starts the season, let's just say he gets injured at any point. You've got Almonte waiting to come up. You've got some other guys like my guy. Well, Almonte is like a fourth outfielder, man. Well, like, you've got you've got my guy, Tyler Naquin, who's the greatest. <laughs> we're still the greatest. Um, Yo, but that no, is I your just, guy. That's your guy. Who? Tyler Naquin. Oh, please give him to me. I, I I'll take him in a second. That's that is my guy. Um, but but no, seriously, I just I just don't see the uh, the risk reward. That that's the thing. I don't see the risk reward in him. Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly with you, Nick. I think if I can get him in the last like two rounds of a draft, sure, whatever. But even at 243, I think it's too high for me. All right. My next guy. <laughs> so basically, I, you're going to see a pattern here, people. You're going to see a little pattern. Yeah, throw it away picks. Nick likes guys that hang out in the unemployment line. 
So I went from uh, Cargo to Jose Bautista, Joey Bats. Boom. You know, something happened after he took that right hook last year from Odor. <laughs> something happened. He, like, knocked the baseball player out of him. Um, but listen, <laughs> I'm taking a shot. <laughs> I'm taking a shot here on Bautista because he's just Jose Bautista. I mean, look, he signed somewhere. <laughs> he's he signed somewhere. He gets the playing time. He's gonna hit thirty bombs and bring that crappy two hundred three average up to a two forty two fifty ish pace. Listen, bottom line is this: I'm just taking a shot on a guy who's got major power and has a really good track record. That's all I can say. I'm not gonna elaborate. Yeah, I don't mind taking the shot at the price that he's going at. But I think you left other players on the board. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I agree. That's 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 what it is. I agree too. <laughs> did you just want to talk about? I it? did I a bad. I did a bad I did, job. I did a. I did a bad thing. <laughs> like I'd rather have the next five guys over him, but whatever. All right. So next up, I had a uh, Kevin Pilar, three hundred three ADP. This is now the sixtieth outfielder. Uh, so the pop up rate is slowly moving down. He walked more than ever. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's just a solid 15-15 type player. Doesn't kill you anywhere, but isn't really going to wing new league. Um, if his ADP sticks at 303, I think that's really good value. Um, but I mean, I obviously like him even more than that here. Yeah, I keep wanting to buy in more to PR. And it seems like he has these bursts during the season where he looks like he's going to take a step. And then just kind of fades back to what he is, which is like a 15 15, 265 guy, um, which is perfectly fine. I mean, you know, there's certainly spots for those types of players um, in fantasy. It's just, I feel like his ceiling should be higher, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got more speed upside than he should. Than just 15. I don't know how much more pop though. Yeah, I mean, but like, I feel like he makes a good amount of hard contact too. Um, but he also makes a good amount of soft contact. So yeah, it's makes kind a of a double edged sword. Kind of like a double edged sword when it comes to that. Okay, yeah. well, let's move to a guy that I think might be able to win you a league. I agree. 31st in terms of tonight, 61st in terms of overall. A billion with an ADP of 399.57. He just got inside 400. A billion. Outfielder 94. I'm pretty sure that we are the conductors on the Grichuk hype train since this trade. Not that the argument is complex or difficult. He's a hitter with a fly ball profile. 42% 42% fly balls, uh, 0.84 ground ball to fly ball ratio, and pull tendencies. He hits, pulls the ball more than 50% of the time. He makes a lot of hard contact, over 40%, and is going to receive full-time at-bats in a park that's favorable for righty power in a very good division for power generally. If you look at his spray chart, Rogers Center would have netted him an extra 12 homers last year. 
In addition to the power upside, Grichuk offers sneaky speed. He was 6 of 7 on the bases last year. His speed score is equal to Brian Dozier and Christian Yelich, and a tick above Francisco Lindor. So you combine the power upside with the upside for double-digit steals, and it's a very good fantasy player. And listen, I'll acknowledge the guy's flaws. He strikes out too much. He, I, I wish he was a little more selective and would take a walk. But I'm trying to find a fantasy contributor, and he doesn't need to be the perfect baseball player, especially at outfielder 94. This guy is a total no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. In. We're all in. We're all in. Yeah, yeah. It's just we're all in. How high do you guys actually have him though? Right, because three three ninety nine is ridiculous. I think I've got him right around outfielder fifty. Oh man, I got him even higher than that. Yeah, yeah. I have him at forty five. Oh my god, I have higher than that. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Where do you have him? I'm at thirty five. Wow. <laughs> You're taking him. You're taking him at thirty. So are you taking him over Schwarber in a vacuum? What happened? Are you taking him over Schwarber? Yeah. You taking him over Hanniger? Yeah. Okay. So you have him over everybody tonight, pretty much. Almost. So then, why did you take him? So why did you let him fall to Pat this far? Because I honestly missed him. All right. Because you're a failure at life. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, But you know who's not a failure at life? Scooter Jeanette. <laughs> um, and right now, as we speak, I know what's going on. Pat's rolling his eyes. He thinks I'm going to talk about about no, how I think about Pat. how Scooter Jeanette is not a failure at life. <laughs> Pat's rolling his eyes because he thinks I'm going to mention how I called out Scooter Jeanette's breakout five years ago. But I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not going to say that right now that I called his breakout out five years ago. Okay. Um, listen. <laughs> Scooter Jeanette, bottom line is this. The safest guy you could take at this point is Scooter Jeanette. The safest. I'm going to tell you why right now. He is, without a doubt, the best hitter that we, we talk about. We talked about tonight and going forward. The guy what? has <laughs> the best hitter. If you look at his minor league stats and his major league stats, in a full season, the lowest batting average he has ever put together was 263. And in that year, he also put together the lowest BABIP of his career, 315. Otherwise, he's a career 285, 295 hitter. And that's what he did last year, 295. And what else did he do last year? He adjusted his swing, baby. He added that launch angle. And what happens when you give a player who makes great contact a new swing? Anyone? Home runs. Home runs. And that's what happened. 27 home runs, 25 average. That came in under four under 500 plate appearances. Now this year, there's no question he's going to get the playing time. He's going to come into that team to start the year with the with the job, ready to go. And if he gets 550 plate appearances, that's my goal for Scooter this year. You're looking at something like 25 plus home runs, close to 10, maybe just a bit over in steals, and a 2, get ready for it, 295 Plus average. I feel like Coming Nick has the whole league stealing 10 bases. Jump <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> on the scooter. Jump <laughs> on the scooter. Good one, Nick. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't really have an issue with this. I mean, he's got versatility. He's a player that should hit for a plus average. And he's shown the pop now. 
I'm not sure how repeatable it is, but I mean, it's worth a shot to see if it if he can uh, keep it up. He is a player that has you know the zero level floor because they're not tied to him in any way. If it's a fluke, um, you know he could be on the bench in six weeks because Senzel's coming up. But um, mm-hmm. I don't really see much of a reason not to take the shot. All right, let's move it to Joe. Yeah, I had uh, next up. I picked uh, Mickey Matuk. Uh oh, three eighty six ADP. So I believe it's I believe it's Mikey. Uh, is it? I believe so. Yeah, it's Mikey my Matuk. My bad. God, if you're going to take my guy, can't at least get the guy's name right. Even, say I, his name right. I can't pronounce anyone's name right. Put some respect on his name. So let me give you some numbers. Uh, 276, 19, 9, 75 runs, and 55 RBI. That's Matuk prorated. So now I know the danger in prorating player stats, but with a minor league track record of hitting for a fair amount of pop, stealing a whole lot of bases, keeping the strikeout in check, and now playing in the juiced MLB environment, I think there's some more upside than just the 19 home runs he showed or he was prorated for, excuse me. At pick 386, this is crazy, crazy. And Matuk provides some real value. He could be very similar to Shinsu Chu or even better. And I haven't even mentioned that he gets to hit near one of the best players in the generation and Nick Castellanos, who we all pretty much like. So I think there's a major buying opportunity here at 386 ADP. Yeah, I mean, Ian Kinsler scored how many runs last year? 90-plus, hitting 240. Um, if and Miguel Cabrera keeps, stunk. Yeah, and Miguel Cabrera stunk. If if Matuk keeps the batting average up around 275, 280, which I think he will based upon the changes that he made um, last year in terms of contact – you know, he's he's going to score 90-plus runs. Um, he's also a, a player that's a lot faster um, than his major league speed profile has indicated. Joe, as you touched upon, um, he carries a very strong infield hit percentage. This team is going to be bad. Garden Hire has a history of, of letting his teams run. So, I mean, I could easily see this player turn into a 15-20 steal guy with 15-20 homer pop with the 280 average at the top of a good lineup. Yeah, this is a player that I like a lot. Nick is not into Mikey Matuk. No, not at all. Go ahead. (laughs) You want to know why he's not into Mikey Matuk? Because he's got a job. Exactly. All right. (laughs) At 34th, I selected Jason Kipnis, uh, 251.33 ADP. He's approximately the 57th outfielder off the board. Um, after I moved on from Matuk being taken from me, which took an abnormally long time considering this was just a meaningless outfielder draft, <laughs> I selected Jason Kipnitz. We already discussed Kipnitz earlier in the year, so I will only briefly restate what I said earlier. In terms of power and speed, he was on a 2010 pace. Uh, the batting average was down, but that was mostly due to a BABIP uh, that was 256. Um, he suffered from an injury that bothered him all year. Um, he's just one year removed from 
23 homers, 15 steals, a 275 average, and an 823 OPS with 90 runs and 80 RBIs. Um, I, I see no reason why he can't return to that level. Um, you know, with a with a full year of of health, or even even a year of mostly health, um, he's got middle infield eligibility to go with the outfield, and he's going to be you know somewhere in the heart of one of the best lineups in baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm cool with it. Uh, my next guy was uh, Austin Meadows, and I don't know why I didn't take Jesse. We'll get to him in a minute, though. Uh, I took Austin Meadows here just because I kind of choked. I saw Winker's ADP was way down, and I could get him later. But let's talk about Meadows for a second. Um, he's going to get the playing time, and he's kind of interesting because he's a pretty good contact hitter uh, where he doesn't he hasn't shown high uh, power upside. I think he does have some pretty good uh, speed upside, and that could come with 10 home runs. So looking at a guy who could potentially get 10, 20, and bat to 65, though those numbers aren't mind-blowing, it's not far off from what he probably will do. Are we kind of in agreement with those projections or no? Wait, wait what do you got? 10 home runs? 10 home runs, 20 steals, 265-ish? He's got a lot more power in that bat than just 10 home runs. Um, okay. I mean, I think it comes down to does he stay healthy? Does he accumulate playing time? Um, but yeah, I think he's got more than than ten home run pop. I think he's probably closer to like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think in future years it goes up, provided he stays healthy, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big concern with Meadows. Um, and next up, I I went with uh, Scott Schebler, three fourteen ADP. Um, so as we've discussed online. Before, um, Shevler is sort of like Adam Duvall from the left side. Um, Shevler was 72 on on barrels per batted ball event. So the home run pop is, I, I think, definitely real. Um, I think a, a lot of this price is concerns about Winkler and playing time. Um, Shevler is kind of boring, 30 home runs, and he only hit 233 last year, which is really not good, and that, that hurts you. But I think he's got – I think he had a little bit of – Bapit, bad luck. I mean, his Bapit was 248 the year before. It was 312 and a limited sample size. So I think he's probably closer to like a 250, 255 hitter. Again, this is like a profile that's really similar to Jay Bruce, just without the safety. Um, so I think since he's undrafted, this is a perfectly fine pick here. I don't know what you guys think. I agree with pretty much everything you said, but I would just add that – I think he's got, and I'm going to sound like Nick Lugatino, the upside, the steal 10 bases. <laughs> <laughs> because I think he's I think he's got some speed, and I do expect him to get on base a little more based upon that Babbitt progressing to like a 270, 280 area. And with that, he'll hit around 260. Um, my biggest concern with Shevler is the playing time. Yep, totally fair. Okay, uh, I drafted Dexter Fowler, 37th, uh, 252.55 ADP. He's the 59th outfielder off the board. Um, you've probably noticed as you've listened to the show that I have an uncanny desire to own every leadoff hitter alive, and Dexter Fowler is no different. Last year, Fowler was playing at a 20-homer, 10-steal pace with a double-digit walk rate. Uh, 
I think the power spike might be based upon his hard contact surging to 38% and a 3% increase in fly balls, which he hit hard and outstanding 53% of the time. Wow, I did not With know a career-high pull rate of 30%. Fowler's going to lead off again this year for the Cardinals, and an increase in power will help make up for any drop in um, the high teen speed that he normally has. Um, so, I mean, he might be a guy that's shifting from low teens power, high teen speed to the other way around. Um, he should score a good amount of runs in a lineup that contains Pham, Carpenter, and Ozuna behind him. Uh, I, I think that the ADP is about right on Fowler and might even be a little low. Uh, he still, I think, got the athleticism to steal closer to 15 bases. And if that comes with 20 homers at the top of the Cardinal lineup, it could be really good. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like – he's kind of like Piscotty. I don't I mean, think he's got the batting average. Yeah, I was going to say, he won't hit his, his high for a batting average. But, yeah, like sort of similar kind of line. Uh, my next pick is a guy that I kind of I didn't I didn't poop on before, but <laughs> I, I, let's just say I, I I liked Gardner better. But uh, my next pick is Aaron Hicks, and you look at what Hicks did last year, and um, it was pretty damn good in a shortened season. Eighty-eight games played, he hit fifteen home runs, stole ten bases, and hit two sixty-six. I mean, you pace that out, you're talking almost a thirty-twenty season here, people. Uh, he looked really good when he was in it all the whole entire season. He just looked great. He was smart at the plate. As a Yankee fan, I watched him a lot. It showed a lot of patience. Didn't really strike out much. Uh, one of my favorite underrated Yankees going into this season. I think he could really produce in probably the seven or the eight spot, uh, which is where he'll be. But here's the name of the Yankee lineup. Uh, other spots could be had. Now, you've got Greg Bird, who has an extensive injury history. You have John Carlos Stanton now, who everyone's like, oh, they have Stanton now. Where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? Stanton's played like two full seasons in his entire career. <laughs> um, now, let's just and, – and, and also Gardner. And listen, I like Gardner. I took him early in this draft, but he's 35 years old now. Um, and you look at the bench, and the Yankees are really nice one through nine. Um, the bench is kind of eh. I mean, Ellsbury, he's the worst player in baseball. I don't care what anybody says. He's the worst player in Major League. Uh, Clint Frazier, wishy-washy, comes and goes, inconsistent. I think that uh, the leash is pretty long with Hicks. Um, the top of the lineup is to be had, especially with that sexy OBP. And he's just a guy that gets all the hate year after year. But now, you take him at this spot. You take him. going to be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Hicks is a guy that's got considerable upside, and this cost is pretty much – I don't want to say it's at his floor, but, um, you know, I, I can live with the fact that Hicks is a zero at this cost. Yeah, I mean, this is like at two 236, right? It's like – it is like kind of his floor. It's like 1510. And then there's like a whole lot of room for upside if he gets a lot of a lot more playing time and well, his floor is lower together. than that because if he loses the playing time, but. sure. Yeah. All right. Next up, I had uh, Austin Hayes, uh, 321 ADP. There's absolutely no way this ADP is going to stick um, over the next few weeks, as uh, fantasy fantasy analysts like us 
get Hayes' name out there, his draft stock is going to continue to rise. So with an excellent hit tool and 33 home runs to his name across three levels last year, getting to call Camden Yards his home could mean monster potential. Um, I'd be surprised if he hit below 275 as he can just flat out hit. Um, I don't know if he's got another 33 in him, but with the juice ball and the home ballpark, we could be looking at a 280, 25, and 5 steals type bat, which is crazy value at 321. Um, again, though, I expect Hayes to climb up draft boards a lot. Yeah, I think he's going to go up as well. Um, you know, he's got he's getting some prospect hype now uh, because I still think he has prospect status. I think I saw – I forget who – who put out the list, but I think I saw him as like a top 25 prospect. So a top 25 prospect hitting in a good lineup, potentially near the top of it. Yeah. The Sadie P is not going to stick, but I do like him. And I, and I think your projections on, on point. So I think the speed might be a little higher. I might put him around eight or nine steals. Okay. This is 69th outfielder right now. Um, Do you guys have him higher than that? Either of you? I think I've got him higher. I think I've got him around 65. So I'm close right, to this. But. I'm right around the same. Okay. I'm a little higher than you guys. I'm at like 55. But the next guy. The oh, next guy. Kryptonite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can never, I, I just can't quit you. 40th, Brandon Belt. 297.15 ADP. He's approximately the 72nd outfielder. Listen, the home park kills him. <laughs> because in a better ballpark, oh, man, he would yeah. legitimately be like a 275, 30 homer guy. But even last year in 451 plate appearances, he was at 18 homers. That's a 25 homer pace. He's going to have an improved lineup around him with McCutcheon and Longoria in town. Um, and the Giants may add to that. So he could easily post something equivalent to or better than his 2016 160 plus runs, plus RBIs. Um, on the batting average front, the BABIP did him in with the 284. He's got more flies um, in his profile. So that means the BABIP is probably closer to like a 320 type range than the 350s of years past. But if you give him a 320 BABIP, he's probably going to hit somewhere around 260, 270. Um, in my opinion, he would only need health to put together something comparable, Nick Castellanos, who's outfield eligible and going 170 picks higher. Yeah, and in, in the year 2037, we're going to still be like, you know, <laughs> this is the year where Brendan Belt's going to hit 25 home runs. It, it's, it's, really, it's really unbelievable what this guy does. Um, I just say one thing about – I'm not going to – not going to go crazy uh, about – Brandon Belt right now because we spoke about him for years and years and years in every detail. The one thing that jumps off the page, I don't know if you guys saw this. Did you look at his launch angle? No, it's what is it? 23.7. Yeah, see, that's too high. Yeah, it's too high. He's got to bring that down. Yeah, that's like insanity. Get that um, down to like 19% and you'd be perfect. Yo, but he's so good. Just get out of San Francisco, bro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah he I was hoping that they would trade him. But he nope. misses the eye test, all right. But he doesn't right. pass the eye test as much as the next guy, who is my favorite player in baseball. That's right, my favorite player. I nicknamed him Lemmy Winks, even though I wanted to name him the five. I actually named him Lemmy Winks. 
Well, I said tiddlywinks, and then you were like, let me correct you. It's a lemmy wings. Anyways. Yes. Uh, that means listen. I nicknamed him. <laughs> let's just call him Mr. OBP. All right. Now, Go let's call him Lemmy Wings. Stop WikiLeaks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jesse Winker, a.k.a. Mr. OBP. Uh, we're all in love with this kid for obvious reasons. How could you not be? Uh, a guy that's coming up this young, that gets on base this much, that walks this much and doesn't strike out and is going to put it all together for – I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but this is a kid who in the future is going to hit 300 plus. He's going to hit like 20 plus home runs and steal some bases. But let's talk about this year because that's what we're talking about. This year, I have Jesse Winker. My projections are 18 home runs, eight steals, 310 average. Really sick OBP. Of course, it's going to be like 380 or something stupid like that. And it's going to come with a lot of runs and all that good stuff. The beautiful thing about Winker this year is he's playing behind horrible, disgusting Billy Hamilton. And so that leadoff spot could be had. But even if he doesn't get to the leadoff spot, still the number two spot is beautiful because look, look who he's batting in front of. Um, there is more upside in the power, in my opinion. And... I, I just can't say enough about this kid. Super smart hitter, makes great contact. He's like Daniel Murphy 20 years ago. He's going to be awesome. Uh, before you go, Pat, Nick, so do you think he gets a, a full-time gig? Oh, of how, how could he not? Okay. When do you think he gets it? So the season. Hmm. He's going to lock it up. How could you not? How could you not? How could you not start a guy with this OBP in your lineup? At the two spot or the one spot. I mean, because they have a bunch of guys that have that have been there for a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't you got, you got platoon guys. I mean, listen, Duvall and Shebler are platoon guys. And then who else is there besides those two? Well, yeah, then there's just Billy Hamilton. Yeah, so you put you put Hamilton in center, you put Winker in a corner, and you put and you shuffle Shebler and uh and Duvall. I mean, that's a smart move, no? Oh, oh sure. But will it happen? I hope so. For my sake, because I'm going to take him really freaking high. <laughs> All right. Listen, this is uh, a player that I'm also very um, intrigued by. I, I I do agree with Nick. I do think that players of this profile end up being underrated in terms of their power potential. And I think it's because at times the scouting community hasn't caught up with the fact that one we're we're in an environment where it's exceedingly um i don't want to say exceedingly easy but it's just easier to hit for power in the major leagues than it is in the minor leagues i think at this point um the ball is different the it's it's just it's just the way it's been trending um so I think players of this profile tend to get a little underrated in terms of their power potential. Um, I think Winker's always been looked at as a guy that's going to hit somewhere between, you know, seven and 15 homers at the major league level. And that's part of the reason why he's been somewhat underrated as a power prospect, uh, as a prospect overall. Um, and then two, I, I think it's also been, he's also suffered from a discount um, because he suffered a wrist injury and, he, 
I, I think that that kind of drained some of his power potential. So I, I and it didn't show up in the numbers uh, as far as his production goes. So I think the fact that he's gotten healthy and now that he's reached the majors, I think we could see the power tick closer to 15, 20 homers. Um, and, you know, maybe even above that, if he starts to change his swing a little bit, um, you know, we've seen these guys go crazy in great American, uh, Eugenio Suarez hit 26 homers last year. I believe the 22 or 21 of them were in great American ballpark. And he was historically a guy that was going to hit about 15 homers. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot for these guys to jump up a level, especially in today's environment. And who else here? anywhere around here or after is this much of a lock to hit for really, really good average. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, for the most they're part. few and far between, but yeah. yeah. All right, next up, I went uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, he's got a 252 ADP. So even if you don't believe in that crazy home run out- outburst that, he- that we saw in 2016, and the runs and RBIs that came with that, along with the being pushed so far up in the batting order, Bradley at least shown us that he can get that high and that he can be that hot. Um, so with something like 17 or 18 home runs, and he's also ex- expressed an interest to steal more bases, uh, I think just a couple of days ago, Bradley could be a lot like Dexter Fowler, but um, we've seen the upside already. So we know we can, we know we can, he can reach that. Uh, I did a little bit of deeper digging, too, on Bradley. And over the past two years, what I found was that when Bradley was waiting on pitches, mainly by not chasing pitches out of the zone, but also by just not being overly aggressive in the zone, he had a lot of success. So when he was waiting for pitches that he could really rope, he was he did very well. If he, can, if he or anyone can identify this as part of his game, maybe he can get back to the, the 2016 levels. Uh, my point is, is that we know he can do it because he's done it once. So... Um, at 252, I think it's worth rolling the dice. If if they sign JD, what happens to Jackie Bradley Jr.? Hopefully they trade him somewhere. Yeah. Although, uh, actually, just a couple of minutes ago, there was a report that JD is uh, audibly frustrated with the Red Sox. Yeah, so they're going to sign him, though. He's going, he's going to Boston. Okay. Uh, I took David Dahl. Uh, 225.31 ADP outfielder 52 markets obviously higher on him than we are. Um, I speaking of doll, like I, I just, I love the talent. I, I think that he's got top notch ability. I, I think in full season, full health, he's a 20 Homer, 20 steel, 280 type talent. And I think in cores, it could tick up. But he barely played last year um, due to an injury. He only recently started swinging a bat again. Um, Colorado is a contending team. They are very deep, and um, we don't know what the pecking order is or where Dahl sits in that pecking order. We do not know how well he is going to perform um, you know, upon his return, how much rust he's going to have. Um, is there a potential where he goes to spring training, lights it up, and is starting on opening day? Yes. But the much more likely scenario is that he's headed to AAA. He spends at least six weeks down there. 
getting his game back together. If he produces, maybe he comes up. If he produces, maybe he doesn't. Or maybe he doesn't produce because maybe he just can't shake off the rust that quickly. Um, I think the price as the 52nd outfielder is a little rich. Um, I love the talent. I respect the fact that people are willing to take the chance. I, I just think that this is a player that's got a high um, likelihood of not returning value at that price. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I actually have Dahl right around here. I have him at 71, so pretty close to where you took him. Um, I, I Yeah, I, I just I, I echo what you said, right? The talent is crazy. It's really good, but two years in a row he's been banged up. I mean, one was a, a freak accident, but but still, I mean, this this just isn't taking into account enough of the downside, the, the potential pure zero that he could be. Yeah, see, to me, like, Dahl is a guy, like, I would love to place on my watch list after a draft and hope somebody gives up on him and then scoop him in, like, late May or June if he's been in the minors. Yeah, because Dahl definitely has the talent to be a, you know, top 30 outfielder easily. Yes. We've seen it already. Yeah. In a short burst, but, yeah, we've seen it. Uh, all right, so my next pick was Aaron Altair, and let me just say this. This is another guy. After I took him, I did a little digging, and I was like, whoa, whoa, easy, fella. This guy looks really, really interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this, but last year, first half, he had 14 home runs and batted 284. Second half, he batted 240, hit five home runs. So what happened? Once again, he got injured. Early July, pulled hamstring, went on the DL. After that, everything went downhill. You look at the stats from last year, uh, the advanced, 89 mile per hour, exit velo, 11.21 launch angle. That all looks good. Hard contact looks good. Everything looks good. I am totally on board with this kid now, and he is 100% on my radar. He was having a real, real breakout last year. Um, And like we said, the team looks a lot better this year. He should be a good part of the lineup. He doesn't. The, the key rate is livable. It went down a lot from 2016, which I think that's where people thought would be a big problem at 30%, but it came down to 25 last year. Uh, he walks. He's a smart hitter. There's not much else to say, but I'll tell you this right now. I have him projected for close to 30 bombs, <laughs> close to 10 steals, God. to 70-ish average. You think, you think he'll hit 30 with an only 11 11- 11 degree launch angle. I don't. I don't care about the launch angle. I mean, I'm, I listen. It, 11 is 11 is the, <laughs> 11. I is, didn't even said he I liked brought, it. I brought it up because I didn't care. No, I meant like it's a healthy. It's it's the league average. I think it's. I don't have it in front of me. I think league average is what 11. Yeah, it's like 11 percent. 11 percent. So I'm saying that that it all. But my point was it all checks out. Like the power is real. Like the exit velo was good. The launch angle is good. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, the only beef I have is I owned them last year and for the hot streak and it seems like he hit his home runs in bunches like he'd hit like three or four in a week and then just do nothing for the other three weeks in a month i don't know if that really i don't know if that really changes much i mean in a rota it doesn't really matter but no you know, it doesn't matter in weekly you know here's what my issue is is there's a playing time crunch in philly that too i mean you've but, got O'Double, you've got your boy He's Nick Hoskins, Williams, Nick. And you've yeah. got 
Nick Williams. So somebody is the odd man out, and Altair is a righty, and I believe Nick Williams is a lefty. So, and Odubel's a lefty. So I'm worried that Altair might be the short side of a platoon unless they make a deal. Yeah, he's also not not that young. He's like 27, which isn't old either, but it's not like he's like a pup and he's only like 22. All right, so I'll finish this off. 45 at 327 ADP, Yasmani Tomas. So um, Talamite have fallen, right? Just a couple of years ago, Yasmani Tomas was being drafted you know, up there, probably within the top 125 picks, if I had to guess from my memory. Um, when he when he came through in 2015, when he was signed, I actually didn't really care for him. Um, he didn't fit the type of profile that I like from an international player. And then 2016, he kind of put it all together and broke out. Then last year, tons of injuries. He had oblique injuries, groin injuries, everything you can name, he had it. He, he played poorly when he played, uh, mostly because of those injuries. Um, so I think here, right, we're talking about undrafted territory. Um, it's not sexy, but a 270 average and 30 home runs for free uh, is is really nice. And, he, I mean, he's still got the ballpark, the great ballpark. So I think the pop will be there. Even still, even – when he was hurt last year, he prorated for around 24, 25 home runs. So um, I'm kind of really, really in on Yasmani Tomas. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that he's – I think I tweeted about it the other day. Like, he's not he's not J.D. Martinez, but he could be a 260, 270 bat with close to 30 bombs. And that's hitting – fifth in a lineup that's got AJ Pollock, Paul Goldschmidt, and Jake Lamb in front of him. That's pretty nice. So, I mean, the counting stats will be there. Yeah. Yeah, so he's Mr. Uh, he's Mr. Irrelevant, but definitely not irrelevant. Yep. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. We'll be back next week with our the first part of starting pitchers. Oh, man, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Guys, where can they find you? Nick FWO And Joe FWO. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. See you later. Whether it's our hearts, lungs, or other organs, the word diagnosis tends to make us uneasy. At Kaiser Permanente, our specialists care for you and about you, working together, creating a treatment plan specific to your diagnosis and total health. So from primary to specialty care, find reassurance in a great team of healthcare professionals committed to your healthy recovery. 
Visit kp.org slash specialty care to learn more. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.